Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I am your host, Bill DeFilippo. Uh, Nick Polak is not here tonight. Nick, uh, he's a little bit busy with some real-life work, uh, but we still wanted to do our Temple preview, uh, mostly because we're having a special guest on the podcast, uh, a Temple alumnus, a uh, friend of the site. You know him as the guy holding up the Tutty sign in that picture that every now and then makes its way into the comments section. Uh, really great follow on Twitter, so give him some love, at Jeff McDev. That would be Jeff McDevitt. Jeff, what's going on, pal? Hey, how you doing? I am I am honored to be on this. I'm a big fan of your website, despite uh, not really supporting the team it covers. A uh, uh, big fan of all you guys. I, I love Penn State Twitter. I love the uh, the alacrity, uh, enthusiasm you guys have. Um, I'm a Temple fan. I'm not a Temple expert. I'm not. I'm not an X's and O's guy. I don't watch the All 22, but I'm a big fan and an alumnus, and was a big fan while I was a student. So I've seen sort of the the full scope of the Al Golden years up until now. <laughs> uh, it's been really, really cool you, and very, yeah. you know, a great payoff. Yeah, you see the uh, you've seen the highs and the lows of Temple football, both under uh, both highs and lows came under Penn Staters. So uh, and and Adazio yeah. was there for a while, right? He was a guy just being a dude. He was just a guy I think he was, being a I think dude. There for two years. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that, right. that okay. was. We used to chant when he was there. Our chant was "dive, dive, option, punt," because that was the three <laughs> plays they'd run and the, the subsequent result on fourth down. They'd throw the ball maybe two times a game. I fell asleep once at <laughs> uh, a simple football game because his style of play was so boring. Listen, man, that that punch you in the mouth mentality. You, it may not be the prettiest, but it turns young men into dudes. So you can't True. You really you can't blame him for doing his best. Um, that fine has like twenty. I think it was twenty six million loops. The last time I checked, it is it is an internet treasure. Which one? The one where so he's. Which one? The one where he's just like standing in the stands yeah. of the stadium and like do says like dudes play here or whatever. On a different planet from where the football's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't this great? Guys being dude. That should be a drop on this on this podcast going forward. <laughs> yeah, if we ever have a soundboard, I'll be sure to uh I'll be sure to get the sound of one Steve Adazio just talking about some dudes. Um but yeah, speaking of some dudes, uh let's talk about first off, let's give a shout out to the dudes over at Crimson Quarry, uh, Ben Rachel, Kyle Robbins. The kick was good, as we all know. Uh, yeah, but let's talk about some real dudes. Let's talk about Temple football. Um, of yes. course, they're coming to Happy Valley this week, and I think the place that I want to start uh, is I want to start with last year's game, because I think that caught everyone by surprise a bit, even I think someone like you the biggest Temple football fan that I know, you thought that Temple was going to be in that game. I don't think anyone expected it to be what we ended up seeing. So just from the perspective of the Temple football program, what did it mean for Penn State to come into the link and just get ran off the field like that by the Owls? It meant, I mean, I guess it's cliche, but it meant everything. I mean, it was... It was something that I think Penn State was always and remains to be big brother to to its to a program like Temple. It's what the idea of what college football should be: small town, big stadium, big conference. You know, families tailgating together, and it's it was a, a lot of 
jealousy, I think, that, that you guys have the atmosphere. You know, even for when, you know, you're 500 late in the season, you'll have a really good atmosphere, really good tailgate. And I, I remember going down when I was in college and even a couple years after and the tailgate scene was really dead. It wasn't all that fun. We're in an NFL stadium. There's none of our branding on it. Just all these little things that, that you know, we didn't have any ownership of the program. And we knew, I think, that the, the small group of us that, that stayed loyal throughout, you know, the 2000s, um, that it could be a really cool thing if they started getting really good and that's what happened last year in the Penn State uh, win was sort of the explosion that kicked all that off. I mean, it was so cool to be there and especially in the stadium that was probably 60, 40 Penn State fans. I mean, you were there. Um, to sort of have that jubilation and all that was was amazing. And obviously for recruiting, I think you've seen a bit of an uptick uh, since then for Temple to, to try to keep this going. Now, obviously on the the other side this year, starting off with a loss to sort of a lowly army team, you see yeah. how everyone jumps off so quickly on the other side. So uh, that was that was one of the cooler days uh, of my college football fandom when 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 Temple beat Penn State twenty seven ten. And that was yeah, and that kind of at least from my perspective, that win kind of led to. A bit of a springboard for Temple. I mean, don't get me wrong. Temple was a really, really good football team last year. I mean, uh, I'm pulling up their record right now, 10-4. and four. Um, Their losses came to Notre Dame in a game that Temple was in it till the very end. Houston on the road, and Houston was a really good team. And then a weird loss at USF, and then a loss to Toledo in the bowl game. But Temple really got to come out, and the final was 27-10, to 10, not 28-10, uh, to 10, as I... Uh, inaccurately said, and really pounded Penn State and just dominate. Penn State won the first quarter of that game, and that was the only thing that Penn State won because Temple just had the perfect game plan for attacking the Nittany Lions. And I think that was kind of the game where those of us who were predicting Penn State was going to win or thinking that, you know, this Temple team could be good, but we need to see what they do against a team that isn't in the remnants of the Big East. Well, this kind of set the tone for what Temple football was going to be. Hard-nosed, aggressive, and above everything else, pretty good. And kind of for Temple fans, was there a mindset going into that game of maybe we can do this, and then once it happened, it was maybe this has the potential to be a really special team? Or were most fans, at least the ones that you know, kind of writing this game off as, oh, well... It's another Temple game against Penn State. Uh, Penn State just doesn't lose to Temple. Whatever. It still may end up being a pretty good football team. Yeah, I think there was definitely a let's have it be a game with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Let's show that we belong on the field. Not necessarily like let's go get a W and start 1-0. and You know, They exceed yeah. expectations completely. But if you look back at the last two meetings between the team, I believe it was um, – Actually, the last three meetings, the one up at Happy Valley in 2014, yeah. uh, late Penn State ran them off the field, and I think the final was somewhere like 31-13. But before that, I mean, there was a, there was a game in the, up until probably the third quarter, and and always it was the same thing where they'd hit a trick play, they'd get a big, big punt return, they'd get a, a turnover, a fumble, a pick of a, a you know crazy bounce, and yeah. when those things go your way in a game, it's anyone's game. The game at the link, I want to say in 2011, was. 
anyone's game to the end. I mean, it was very it was a fourteen ten final something or something like that. Like that. It, it was really ugly. So it was not an aesthetically pleasing football game. Uh, yeah, fourteen to ten, and then like if I remember correctly, one Rob Bolden stepped in for the Nittany Lions and just led some. Yeah. weird gross charge down the field like just it's not a football game I like talking about Jeff so thank you for bringing it up now well but those games were there and yeah. I think for Penn State fans they wrote it off as like okay you know we got by Temple we got the win and we stretched the win streak to 45 48 games whatever you had whatever it was before they won but um for Temple fans you took away of like hey if we had you know make one big play, you know, make that one tackle on fourth down. We just beat Penn State. So they, I think it was a lot of little things that led up to last year's game that I think gave I think we lost Jeff, everyone. Uh, uh, well, there we go. All right, we got you back. Okay. What? Where did I stop? Uh, you were talking about what last year's game meant. Oh, I was just saying that all those little, little things, all those little things that that in those games that we, you, as a fan, you could take away and say if a bounce went your way here or there, I think ultimately gave Temple fans hope in 2015 that they could pull off the upset. All right, interesting. Um, and the same thing, same thing this year where I think if I you you force me to pick, I'm going to pick Penn State, especially at home. But and uh, I mean we to that but I think that you know you win the turnover battle little things like that stuff that Temple can do that they can 100% make it a game and, and go and win again yeah I mean for for someone who likes to watch good football I think I'd enjoy that as a Penn State fan of course I wouldn't but so in last year's game what especially worked well for Temple was it simply just you know be super aggressive or was there one thing that you thought or, or were there, you know, a number of things that all just came together and made this game uh, really what it ended up being for Temple, which was just domination? I The defense was, was extremely, I think, patient, and they had they were resilient because you remember they, Penn State came down, they busted off a big run, I believe it was a Keel Lynch early, and, and that's something where if you don't have a defense, with a lot of good leaders, that that could be one play that makes the other shoe drop, and and you know the defense sort of implodes on itself. But you know the the I think the senior leaders said, "Hey, there's one, we're fine." And and then ultimately they saw some holes in the offensive line and knew if they were really aggressive and attacked, they could get to Christian Hackenberg, and they did that ten times. Yeah. Um, on offense, they used a, a lot of misdirection. A lot of the big one of the biggest plays was like a wide receiver reverse pass back to TJ or PJ Walker now Philip Walker um the the fourth and third or fourth and one on the goal line they used a fake halfback fake fullback halfback toss play that caught the defense off guard they were they were really sly with their play calling um and they took care of the ball and they were confident i think they were really confident in what they were running and and just stuck to the game plan I don't, i'm not sure they did did anything that was too crazy, but a lot of a lot of Jihad Thomas's biggest runs were on counters and just misdirection and getting aggressive Penn State defense off balance. Interesting, and uh, I kind of want to get to what next for Temple football after that win over Penn State after <clears throat> excuse me after a magical season. You know, they go ten and four, all that stuff. 
what was next? Uh, just in the terms, and, and we'll talk about a few more a few more interesting things. But from a player perspective, Penn State, I not Penn State, Temple lost some really really good players. Most notably, you know, Tyler Matikavich, uh one of if not the best defensive player in the country last year. He's gone. So what has been like? How has Temple gotten past it? It's still a pretty veteran team. Uh, looking at their depth chart, you see a lot of guys were seniors, a lot of redshirt seniors. How has Temple managed or tried to replace some of these really talented players who were major contributors in 2015? Well, that's I think that's the million-dollar question that's not so easy to answer right now with being one-and-one and, one and having one stinker and one blowout of a one-double-A or F. FCS Stony Brook team. Um, you have to you have to be fearful of all the Matt Rule rumors and, and thinking that whether this job is a stepping stone to a to a Power Five job or whether this can be something where coach can stay for a decade um, and and really build something in Philadelphia. Um, they, they still have a lot of lot of talent on defense. You look at Hassan Reddick. Uh, uh, Avery Williams, Sean Chandler, who's one of my personal favorite players, a junior out of Camden. He's a cornerback and also returns punts. They, they, he was there last year and made a lot of big plays. Praise, praise Martin Oglique. They're, they're there, but it's a matter of whether their personality is the type that can do what the guys last year did or not. I think that's a big thing. And that this, this Saturday, I think, is a huge huge step for them to see if hey they yeah. can they can step on the field and happy valley do it or not i mean going forward you have to think there's a lot of factors and i think it's a really interesting case study for division one football and division one athletics in general just looking at you know a school a school like temple in <laughs> that's a traditionally basketball school plays an nfl stadium wants to build their own stadium um and and how that will go you know financially going forward i mean i as i believe in it but i think there's a a lot of people, as you'll see, a guy like David Murphy writes for the Enquirer has, has routinely bashed uh, Temple in their efforts to sort of grow the football program and thinks it's a money pit. Um, so I'm I'm really really fascinated just to see where it's going to go. I, I I'm sorry I don't have more of a no I guess an answer on that, but it, I think it's going to be a program to watch and just interesting from a national standpoint. I mean I don't think they're one of the candidates to get into the Big Twelve, so. Um, can a program like this have success going forward after one big year where they finally crack the top 25 and all that or will they just will we always look back at 2015 and say oh those were the days you know yeah uh, I you kind of touched on the next thing I want to talk about and that's Matt Rule um, he has really turned into among group of five schools for the most sought after head coaches it's I, it's basically Tom Herman at Houston and then in that next year Rule is one of those guys um, this offseason were you worried about him uh, were you worried about him heading elsewhere uh, or did you kind of expect and was it kind of the expectation of Temple fans that he was going to stick around for a while and maybe try and wait out and see what happens uh, maybe with a certain coach in Happy Valley before he takes a bigger job. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be that that I think no, I know nothing. I don't I don't speak with Coach 
which will I, I my biggest thing is following him when he goes to uh his weekly Italian dinners in South Philly pregame and he, and he always would tweet hashtag gravy that's my favorite <laughs> But uh, yeah, there were. I mean, immediately after the final, final regular season game against, I want to say it was UConn last year um, or UCF. There was there's rumors immediately tweeted out that he was going to Missouri to interview and uh, South Carolina was a big one. Yeah, that, that that he's a candidate. I mean, he's young. He but he says all the right things about wanting to stay at Temple, wanting to grow that. He how he drove his drove his family up from. North or South Carolina to interview there blindly without Golden. I mean, is his press conference when he when he got hired was 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 a really great story. Um, but obviously, you know, if if a if a, a Power Five school can triple your salary and you have more resources and and all that, you're not fighting with North Philadelphia community for for space and support and and a stadium of your own. Like, I I, I would understand how he would want to make that jump. But uh, I mean, he seems happy. I don't know. Yeah. Whether that's the case, I, I, I think he would, like anyone, want to want to do better for himself if, if that exists. If he can, but th- I mean, this year is huge. If you, yeah. If you have one year and you're a flash in the pan, and then you jump to something bigger and flame out, you know, we yeah. see that happen all the time. But if he can sustain something here, he's definitely going to be worthy of that, and we'll we'll have offers from everywhere. And I mean, he also has NFL experience. He coached for uh, on the offense the line of the Giants when they won the Super Bowl before coming back to Temple so who knows if something opens up there too I mean there's a lot of possibilities in the coaching carousel yeah. every year with someone who's good who can jump to a bigger school it's going to be there so yeah uh, and the thing that I find so interesting about him is that kind of like what you said Temple yes under him has improved in each of his three years from two and ten to six and six and ten and four but it's still a pretty small sample size he still has an under 500 record as a head coach but last year he did so well leading that team that like we said Missouri South Carolina uh just plenty of schools like that suddenly want to get in on this guy 41 years old was able to beat Penn State at Temple was able to lead Temple to a 10 and 2 regular season mark so yeah, he is a he's a really interesting case for me. And kind of just asking you as a fan, um, how how worried are you? Um, may, not after last season, but maybe going forward, that um, if the quote unquote right job opens up, and for him, whatever that means, whether he the right job for him is somewhere in SEC country, or whether the right job for him is sitting and waiting for the Penn State job to come open, if that would ever possibly happen. How worried are you of him, you know, trying to look for greener pastures after this season, after next season, having this maybe become a recurring off-season thing for Temple football? Uh, I mean, you can't worry about it. If you're scared, go get a dog. That's really my <laughs> take. Uh, that's so... Oh, that is that is old school Philadelphia sports radio stuff right there. I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. But I mean, there's no reason to sit around and worry about it. it's it's likely going to happen. If a guy goes undefeated and wins the national championship at Temple, he's probably going to jump to a job that will triple 
Uh, it's not something that worries me necessarily because that means the program is doing great. If he's if he's not getting those offers, that means no one wants him. Yeah, I want to flip it on you and say hypothetically, if the whole if the James Franklin experience flames out, is the rule a higher say Temple? Temple goes up there and wins this weekend on a last-second field goal. Is Matt Rule a guy who you think the fan base is excited about going forward? Oh, oh yeah, I would think so. Um, he, I mean, state college guy, played at Penn State under Joe Pa. That Temple team, again, a really good team. He seemed to handle himself and that win really well. Uh, he just has an inherent love of Penn State. So I expect him that if the Franklin thing doesn't work out, Rule is one of the first guys to get a phone call. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he eventually is Penn State's coach someday. Not necessarily if the Franklin thing doesn't work out and just, you know, sometime in the next 30-some-odd years that Matt Rule is a head football coach, one of his stops ends up being Penn State. Like, it just seems like those two parties are destined for one another. So... Again, this is something that you'll have to ask me at the end of this season. Um, maybe you'll have to ask me at the end of next season, too. I don't know. But I think Rule seems like the kind of guy who uh, would be an interesting hire uh, for Penn State if it chooses to go into that direction because of his ties to the school, because of his ties to the town, because he played under Joe Paterno. And that's, I, I mean, Joe is, I mean, people really respect that. And. It seems like Rule has a big respect. Unless you're Al Golden, of course. But it seems like Rule has a respect of a lot of people because he seems to do things the way that Joe Paterno does in terms of just, like, getting his guys ready to play and, you know, let your play on the field do the talking and stuff like that. But one thing that you did mention was the stadium. Uh, and it's a very... Yeah answer let's not gloss over that wow you just went on for about two minutes that was good <laughs> yeah i do uh i do my best but uh maybe you won't go two minutes with this just really quickly we know that temple football is trying to find a place to live uh what's the latest with temple trying to find a stadium uh, i think all systems are go I, i'm not awesome, uh, awesome. in any meetings or talking to anyone but i think that uh, from what I hear, they 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 have the the mock-ups out. I think it's I, from what I've heard, it's it's a fundraising thing, and it's also with anything in, in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, you you sort of have to deal with um, a lot of red tape there. So I think there's a ton of that going on, um, and the I think the city doesn't want colleges to be building more and and affect permanent residents. It happens in West Philadelphia. It happens in North Philadelphia. So it's a, it's a. I think there's a lot of hoops to jump through, and I know there's even been some brushback from the student body. Uh, so I don't know whether that's happening or not. But I, from all I know, that they're going forward with it. So awesome. Uh, let's stop talking about all that. Let's talk about the 2016 Temple Owls. Um, it's see. I, I know coming into this year. Uh, the thing that worried, scared me the most about this team uh, was the fact that P.J. Walker and Jihad Thomas were going to be back in the backfield. Uh, Walker is there. Thomas has been dealing with some injuries. Uh, but the thing that interested me the most, and I didn't realize this until I was looking through the depth chart, the thing that Temple 
that made Temple so good last year was how many veterans it had, how many seniors, redshirt seniors, things like that. I'm looking now, this is still a pretty veteran team, uh, just in a handful of places. So, has... Uh, how do I put this? So, is that veteran leadership something that uh, makes you a little more confident coming into Happy Valley, mostly because a lot of these guys saw the field when Temple won last year? Yeah, and just playing in an atmosphere like that, playing on ABC against Notre Dame, getting those reps in big-time situations and not a random Friday night AAC game against, you know, SMU or something, getting those those heavy pressured snaps is really what, you know, makes a player mature. So being in those games last year for these guys, even if it was a couple times, uh, is huge. Um, and the more they do that, the, the better they're going to be and the more mature they're going to be. Um, offensively, skill position-wise, I mean, Thomas, from what I my guys at Al Scoop, shout out to Al Scoop, told me that he uh, left practice with another hand injury, but but he is expected to play. Um, he had the left hand has been banged up, so he sat out, out the first two games against Army and uh, yeah. Stony Brook. Reichwell Armstead did well in his in his stead, but again, Thomas's ability to make people miss is really special. So. Um, having him out there would be huge. Walker has looked good. He had a lot of aches against Army. He had a lot, of, I think it was three interceptions. Um, but they were also down. He had to throw his stuff yeah. like that. The, the anchor of off the line is uh, Dion Dawkins, a senior um, on the left side. He's, uh, you know, he played last year a lot, getting NFL looks. So. Um, to have an anchor there is big, but a lot of new offenses. They lost Kyle Friend, who was a, a standout center, um, and a couple other offensive linemen, and that always makes you worried against a D-line like Penn State's, you know, the front seven that they have. So, I mean, the, the maturity's there. The defense, I, I think, is is a step down from sure, but not a huge one. Personnel-wise, I'm not worried. I think it's just a matter of maturity and, and leadership intangibles they call them <laughs> interesting uh so let's just talk about this year's game uh what do you think uh just generally is this one a quote-unquote must win to prove that last year's game wasn't a fluke or if penn state goes out and beats temple and most fans go and eh, we got one on them so whatever I think that's more than the case. Going up to Happy Valley is, is a whole other beast. Um, but I think losing that Army game has has really the, taken the wind out of the sails of the fan base yeah. a little bit, a, a fan base that was pretty fired up. Forward. Um, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a must-win. I mean, to me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy that says every game is a must-win. I live you know, every, every day. Win the day, I say. <laughs> um, that. No, but... If you go up there and you get blown out and you're one and two, and if you go up there and lose on a late touchdown, it's a very different one and two. I think. I think getting into the the AAC season and getting into the, the game again and building a little bit of a a reputation, a resume there is a bigger deal right now. But obviously, Penn State that's the big game, big name in the non-conference schedule year. So going up there and winning throw, I think Schadenfreude. Did I say that right? Standpoint. Um, would be huge for a 
temple fan ring from an I mean because they still struggle with attendance enough like to get you know around thirty thousand people into the link for a home game um, is key and I think a win over Penn State would definitely boost that really really well also. Must must win if, if we're going back to the yes or no question. Yes, it's a must win in my eyes. Interesting. Uh, who are the? Sure. <laughs> you don't seem one hundred percent sold on that, Jeff. I'm not. I'm awesome. sorry. I mean, it's, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not like someone's getting fired if Temple doesn't win this game. But but I mean, you, yeah. If, if it's you know, thirty five nothing at halftime, then it's all right. And then I think that's almost delegitimizes last. Or like, oh, Penn State maybe wasn't up for the game this year. They are, and see what happens when they are, and see what happens when Saquon Barkley plays, and see what happens when Naeem Wortman White's healthy and all that. I mean, there's a lot of rallying crap Penn State can use to sort of legitimize the win last year. Interesting. Not okay. that it can be. But, um, you know, stuff like that. I've seen that. I've seen that on Twitter. I see you, Penn State fans. <laughs> uh, so, who are the. If there are one or two players that you think Penn State fans need to know about in this game. Uh, we know about P.J. Walker, we know about Jihad Thomas, uh, but really outside of them, even though guys like Jared Alwan, Hassan Reddick, uh, dudes like that played last year, I feel like they kind of get overshadowed. So who are the one or two guys that you think Penn State fans need to know about heading into this game? Well, especially, I think, the way to... The game went last last week. Watching um, Deshaun Hamilton drop that pass, I think the, the, the expectation would be him and Godwin are going to come out with you know a fire and them to, to to go off. And then the one guy who I'd be watching is Sean Chandler, who's one of the one of the defense and also punt returner. He's a guy who uh, had a pick six last year, I believe, had another one last week, or a big punt return as well. He's a really special kid from Camden. He's been playing since he was a freshman, and he's really really talented. Um, on the offensive end, uh, one guy who's been playing well is Keith Kirkwood. He had a touchdown against Stony Brook last week. Uh, and he's a guy that if, because I think Ventel Bryan has been has been banged up a little bit, uh, and he's been one of the, the main wide receivers, he's a guy who's going to have to step up and, and, and make some plays on the offensive end. So keep an eye on Keith Kirkwood, 89. Interesting. Okay, awesome. Uh so I'm going to make you do this. Uh, give me a score prediction. And I want you to know the line on this game, according to our friends in Las Vegas, is either Penn State by 8.5 or 9, uh, depending on where you're going. And the over-under is about 51, 51.5. So uh, does Penn State cover that? And are you taking the over-under on, uh, on that line? Can you give me the over-under one more time? 51, 51 and a half. Uh, yeah. Let me let, let me do some math real quick. 51 and a half. And... So, 50, like a 30 to 21. 31 to 20, 30 to 21. Yes. Game like that. It would be what Vegas is predicting. Yeah. Um, I'm a big guy with when you're looking at game prediction, you have to think of like a scenario that would be most entertaining. You can't just say. They throw out some numbers and not say why. So I'm going to say Penn State lining up for a punt. They were they, 130 to go. They're up four. They're just punting away. Temple's out of timeouts because we used them all to stop the clock. 
to get the punt forced blocked <laughs> returned for a tutty Temple wins by three 27-24 <laughs> so All the right. under alright well no if it's 51 that would be a block, push no I thought you said it's 51 and a half 51, 51 and a half depends on the place so awesome so yeah, Jeff well, my, place has, my place has the half well, am I going to get on, on the Roar Lions Roar, Roar Lions Roar uh, prediction pages is that a uh-huh. Is that going down? We, we may uh, we may throw you on there. I have a, uh, and you'll read about this more on Roar Lions Roar. I have Penn State thirty four to twenty. Um, I think this is a game wow. that Penn State fans, Penn State the team, uh, Penn State the fans are both really really gonna try and get up for. Uh, partially because they know that if Penn State loses this game, uh, last year, I mean, it loses this game this year. James Franklin's hot seat, especially considering they got to go to Michigan next week, is going to get to the point where it's not just a thing that we talk about as a hypothetical. It's a thing that's going to exist. Plus, after what happened last week against Pitt, I think they're going to want to come out and prove a point. And no matter who that was against, I thought that was going to be the case. Uh, It just happens to be a team that beat them last year in a pretty embarrassing fashion. So I'm taking Penn State to win. Uh... Somewhat comfortably. In watching watching that game, if I might cut you off. Go ahead. In watching that game, I was thinking the whole time, like, what is the ideal scenario for Temple? Is it it for Penn State? Because Penn State was down, what, at least three touchdowns at one point, right? Yeah. Like, is it better for them to get blown out or lose in heartbreaking fashion the way they did? Uh, I I watch a lot of Penn State because I live with two of my best friends and my roommates, Mike and John. On Mike, you may know as Shire Nation on Twitter. Uh, watch all the Penn State games, so I get outvoted on the TV, which is uh, messed up. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if coming out or that will they be more fired up losing by three or by thirty-three? No, it's a, just just some food for thought. Interesting, interesting. Okay, uh, so yeah, I think that's everything that I wanted to touch on uh, with this episode of the podcast, Jeff. Uh, since you got a chance to. Come on, and you were a good guest. Is there anything that you would like to uh, you'd like to uh, plug in these few minutes that you got going on? Take about a minute or so if you want to. Is there anything? I, what what my plug? I'm a corporate shill. Um. Uh, oh, I, I want to. There is one certain thing that got a Snapchat filter recently that I think you want to plug. Yeah, the open challenge at ATP and Catherine in South Philadelphia. I just I'm fresh out of the the shower after playing tonight for uh, three hours and a little a little little known behind the scenes fact here. I actually got a Charlie horse during this podcast and have <laughs> to stretch it out the whole time. So if I you know around 14 minutes, if you hear me like whimpering, that's why because I was um, I'm dehydrated because of all the basketball. But yeah, we 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 are always looking for sponsors for the challenge to have the snapchat filter it's a great way to grow a local business um and you put the power of the brand behind you um it's a great we had a lot of great tweeters out there tonight playing some hoops uh and it's just it's been something that's that's honestly changed my life uh so yeah the o- hashtag open challenge on uh on twitter if you want to check it out there's a lot of a lot of silly things going on i make vines and <laughs> and and Yes, if you would... Uh, if Images like, and, and... Yeah. If you would like to follow along with all this, uh, all the open challenge happenings, make sure you give Jeff a follow on Twitter. And Bill... Jeff and I, Dev. 
Go ahead. I know what you're going to say, but go ahead and say it. What What was that? Uh, you're breaking up right now, buddy. Jeff, bark twice if you're in Milwaukee. All right, so I think we might have lost Jeff, uh, which means I think this is just a good time uh, to wrap up this episode of the podcast. Uh, of course, make sure you're checking out everything on Roar Lions Roar at RLR Blog on the Twitter machine. Uh, like us on Facebook, Roar Lions Roar. You'll find us on there. We're the one with the Keystone logo. Uh, make sure you buy shirts, uh, whatever other fun things we have coming up in the store. We want you to make sure you have as many of those as possible. Rep the brand. They're beautiful, beautiful shirts. Ah, oh, wait a minute. We didn't lose Jeff. We did not lose Jeff. What's up, buddy? We are really uh, just limping to the finish line right now. So, uh, yeah. Back to what I was saying before Jeff uh, was able to figure out what was working for half a second. Uh, make sure you buy everything that we got in the store. We got some really cool t-shirts. We're going to have some more things uh, popping up in the future. Of course, uh, as I said, follow us I, all on I social hear media. <laughs> Tunes on Google Play. You'll be able to find out whenever we have something new coming up with an episode of the podcast. And hopefully in the future, every episode of the podcast we have goes a little bit more smoothly at the end than the one that we have going right now. So, uh, again, thank you to Jeff for coming on. Really appreciate him taking the time to join us and share a little bit of insight into Temple football. Uh, Nick's not here, so I can't say anything for him. But for me, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio.